everyone. We're glad you joined us. Uh, we missed being here last week. Uh, we thought about you. We watched the service while we were driving home. And uh, we're starting a new series. If you are new with us, uh, I usually pick a topic and talk about it for several weeks. That's what I mean by a series. So the new one is Greater Rewards. And the title of today's message something I think we all can relate to. Help um, out of control. So before we get there, I assume most of us are hoping that things will be better this year than last year. Whether it's financially, maybe you're going to get, get, get out of some debt this year. Uh, maybe get a raise or get a new job. Uh, physically, maybe you had some health challenges last year and you hope you don't have the, uh, you're, you're feeling better this year. This year. Relationships are a big part of life. So in your relationships with your spouse, if you're married, uh, uh, with your coworkers, uh, uh, children, if you have children, uh, you can, you're going to up that. I'm going to, you know, try and date my wife more this year, whatever it might be. So we're hoping this year would be better. Most of us, I think, are optimists, right? Um, we have good intentions. Let's put it that way. The problem is, as an expression, you probably have heard it, the road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions. So good intentions aren't enough. All right? So we might intend this year to be better. Doesn't mean it will be, right? So I want to start off with something that I think will make us all feel better. I don't know about you, but after Jesus, I think the Apostle Paul is probably the next most spiritual person I consider. Uh, he wrote a third of the New Testament. I mean, can't get much better than that, right? And I don't know about you, but I don't think there's much I can relate to. To Paul, uh, he preached and I preached. That's something we have in common, I guess. Well, there is something we're going to read today that we all have in common with the Apostle Paul. And it's in Romans chapter 7. And it's, help, I'm out of control. I don't really understand myself. You ever say that? I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I did that. You know, I'm baffled by my own behavior and my own thoughts. I want to do what is right. Most of us do, most of the time. But I don't do it. And we don't do it sometimes, right? But he wasn't just neutral. At times, he didn't not, not just not do the good thing. He said, I do what I hate, or I do the evil thing. Any of us relate? Then he goes on. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. So all of us have a part of us that is called a sinful nature. And there's nothing good about it, all right? It's not all of us, but it's part of us. I want to do what is right. That wouldn't be the sinful nature. But I can't. And I want to do what is good, but I don't do that either. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. So he knows what's right and wrong. And most of us do, right? But knowing's not enough, is it? And I think we underestimate the power of that sinful nature or the power of sin. As we're going to read, uh, it's always there. It's never going to go away. Right? We have to learn to deal with it. And then, as out of, I would say, frustration, I would be when this happens to me, and I'm sure you are. He says, what a miserable person I am. When I want to do good and I don't, it makes me miserable. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Is there hope? It can, can, can I not be this way? Um, so this sinful nature is sabotaging 
our best intentions, right? I want to do good, but I don't do it. I don't want to do bad, but I do it anyway. So he, like all of us, at times, I think, cry out, help, I'm out of control. What can I do? So, shifting gears a little bit. Let me ask you a question. I'd like you to raise your hand. How many of you consider yourself a disciplined person? Raise your hand. All right, let's see. I know, we, people want to put their hand halfway up, right? Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. And that's fine, all right? And then we get about half the group, and that, that, that's kind of normal. For some people, discipline has a, it's a bad, bad word, right? Uh, we don't want to be disciplined. But I want to talk to you about what I'm going to call the gift of discipline. And I'm going to give you a definition of what I mean. Choosing what I want most over what I or you want now. What I want most over what I want now. Now, most of us want the same things, generally, right? We all want a good life, right? Uh, our relationship, we want to have a good relationship. Uh, I do wedding ceremonies occasionally. Um, Jared and Claudia, was that my last wedding? I might have been the last wedding I did. Been over a year. All right. When I'm counseling with these folks, I never have anybody say to me, um, well, this is my first marriage. I assume I'm going to be divorced three times in the next 40 years. Nobody does that. You get married, you, 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 your desire, you want to stay married, right? Um, financially, I, I've never met anybody who said, well, I, I hope to be, you know, file bankruptcy twice by the time I'm 35. N nobody want, wants that, right? Um, I want to just have bad health. I, you know, I, I want to be going to doctors all the time and taking pills all the time and just feeling miserable. No, we all want basically the same things, right? Good health, good relationship. Financially, we want to be, be stable. But the results are different, aren't they? We all basically want the same thing, but we got all kinds of different results. As Dave Ramsey said, uh, the majority of Americans, that's over half of us, live paycheck to paycheck. Fortunately, as my wife said, we don't. Um, we could if we hadn't made decisions a long time ago, something we wanted most over what we wanted now. So results are different. Some of us had, could have better health if we made better choices. Some of us could have better relationships if we made better choices. So on your outline, desire doesn't determine who you become. Just because you want better health or better finance or better relationship doesn't mean you're going to have them, right? Good intentions. So how do you get them? Well, discipline determines who you'll become. So I'm on a diet and exercise program, so I'm a healthier person. I, you know, choose to read books and articles about marriage and relationships, so I'm going to be a better spouse. Uh, I take financial peace and other classes so I can control my finances. Um, discipline determines who you become. Hoping doesn't do it. We all hope those things. Not hoping, it's habits, right, that make the difference. Now, some of you made New Year's resolutions, and I'm guessing, according to statistics, you've already broken them. Some of them, right? You're off the diet or whatever it might, <laughs> might be. Right. So, when you decide that you need to make a change or do something, don't wait till the first of the year because you've got 11 months now to wait. Uh, 
The exercise program I'm on right now, I just started back in November. Of course, I had a different one before that. The diet I'm on now, I've had for seven or eight years, I started in April. So, you know, you don't wait till the first of the year to, to make changes or to start things. Now, here's a basic problem. Willpower doesn't work, right? I'm determined I'm going to control my finances or I'm going <laughs> to be a better spouse or I'm going to, you know, eat better. I'm going to try really, really hard. And that's what we do with our New Year's resolutions, right? I'm going to try really hard, hard to do this. Let me explain to you willpower. I call it will weakness. Some of you have been around here for a while. It's just like a muscle. So if I'm hanging on a ledge and I'm going to plunge to my death, I assumed if, that I wouldn't let go, right? Can I hold, the, can I hold onto that ledge for, forever? Will my muscles do that? No. Muscles get tired. They wear out. And that's exactly what happens to willpower. Right? So, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're not, we hope you'll become one. But if you're a Jesus follower, what do we know? Well, I think most of us know this, but Jesus followers, we should know it. If you're doing our Bible reading this week, you're going to be reading the Ten Commandments. Tells you some do's and don'ts, right? We know we're supposed to do good and not supposed to do bad. And that's exactly opposite of what Paul said he did, right? He didn't do the good he wanted to do, and he did the bad that he didn't want to do. Now, it's interesting that the evil one, Satan, devil, whatever you want to use, term you want to use, tells us when we're tempted with these things, it's no big deal if we do it, right? I got made fun of, but use donuts as an illustration this morning. I'm going to use donuts again. I don't care for donuts, so it's easy for me to use that as an illustration. All right, so you decide they have donuts at work every day, and you're not going to eat donuts anymore. You don't, you've determined they're, they're not healthy. So the first day you go by, no problem. The next day, no problem. But you see them every day, right? You begin to smell them. And you think, well, they really were good. Uh, eventually, you, you kind of walk closer to the table where the donuts are and just kind of look at them, but don't touch. And then eventually, you start smelling them. You know, I'm not eating. I'm just smelling them. Then eventually, you say, well, one, you know, I'll just break off a piece and eat it. And within a few weeks or whatever, what are you doing? You're eating donuts again. In fact, you might be eating more donuts than you used to eat, right? Make up for not eating them. And so, up until that point, Satan said, that's no, a big deal. You can break your diet, whatever. But once you and I give in to temptation, what does Satan say to us? You're a loser. You're pathetic. You couldn't even resist a donut. Isn't that true? No big deal until you do it. After you do it, it's a big deal. And it affects your identity. You feel worthless. I couldn't even resist a donut. So I put on your outline, this is critical. Identity matters. And so once you're feeling worthless, or however term you want to use, then you just keep eating donuts, right? Because I'm useless, worthless anyway. So key to real change starts with our identity. Now what's... Paul's saying in the passage we read earlier, he said, what a miserable person I am. That's my identity. I'm miserable. <clears throat> I don't have what it takes 
I can't resist donuts, whatever it might be. So I'm going to give you two, two diagrams about, about identity this morning. Actually, I can thank my wife for these. <laughs> All right. So I want to change. I want to stop eating donuts. I'm bad. I'm a don't, bad donut eater. So I'm going to try really hard to stop eating donuts. And you're successful for a while. But what happens? Willpower starts to weaken, doesn't it? And eventually, you eat the donut. You failed. Right? And then you have the shame and the, or the guilt of being a loser. Right? And it's a cycle. I'm bad, but I'm going to try and be, do better, and then you're going to fail. And, I, and eventually, sometimes you just give up. Right? The conclusion is something's not working. Uh, I'm missing something. I, I, I can't figure it out. But I want to suggest to you something a little bit different this morning. It's not something that's missing. It is someone. Reading from Romans chapter 7 again. Paul says, I'm miserable. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. There's an answer. There's a way out. The answer is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus Christ can and will and do it in and through us. Now, let me clarify here. This is not behavior modification. That's the way we, you know, try real hard. It's spiritual transformation. And I'm going to try and explain it as best I can. If you've not experienced it, hard to explain. But it comes from the inside out. I say it this way. It changes your want to. And it's based on your identity. So the question is, are you what you did? Are you... Uh, Donut-holic, if you eat donuts, whatever that word is. Are you what you did? So I put on the outline, who are you? And in reality, you are who God says you are. Now, I'll just address the Jesus followers. If you're not, you can just listen in. What does God say about us as Jesus followers? Well, he says we're forgiven. We're going to read the word. We're reconciled to God. We have this... Gap between us and God or sin caused that, but it's gone now. We're in a relationship with God. He says we're valuable and we, and we have a, a purpose. And uh, we're a child of the king. We're a princes, a prince and princesses. We're uh, siblings of Jesus. Uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the list is endless. This is who you really are. No matter who, what you think or what you say about yourself, this is who you really are if you're a Jesus follower. So, when you know who you are, you know what to do. Silly illustration, I guess, but it came to my mind when I thought about this. Um, so, we get married, and of course, we're not parents at that point. And then our wife gets pregnant, and uh, we have a child. Now, before Josh was born... Did we know how to be a parent? You don't know how to be a parent. I mean, your parents, you watch your parents parent you, but you don't know what to do. In fact, what's one of the fears when that baby's born? I don't know. I know what to do with this. 
But you do, don't you? From what you saw other people do, your parents do, what you read, whatever. You parent that child because you're a parent to that child. So when you know who you are, you know what to do. So, back to being Jesus followers. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians this. This means anyone who belongs to Christ or is a Jesus follower has become a, not a reformed person, not a remodeled person, but a new person. Be helping somebody uh, remodel a house this week. Um, we're not remodeled. We're completely new creation. It's like buying a new house. That old house, that old life is gone. A new life has begun. And then he talks about this reconciliation thing. And all of this is a gift from God. So our being in right relationship with God is a gift. He gives it to us. We just have to accept it. He brought us back to himself through Christ. So Christ Jesus, God sent Jesus, and through Jesus Christ, we can reconnect with God. And then God has given us the task of reconciling people to him, or sharing that message of reconciliation. So I get up here and say, you can have a relationship with God too. It's a gift. For God in Christ reconciled the world to himself. So anybody in the world can do this. No longer counting people's sins against them. My sin, God doesn't count my sin against me because I'm a Jesus follower. Jesus took my sin. If you're not a Jesus follower, you're responsible for your own sin. But I accepted that offer and Jesus took my sin. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Now I get up here and tell you this. You can have it too. So, Jesus followers, here's your identity. You belong to Jesus. He bought you with a price. You belong to Jesus. He is our identity. I'm a Jesus follower. I belong to Jesus. So on your outline, you're no longer a slave to your sinful desires. That struggle that Paul said that he had a struggle because he was no longer a slave to it. He could resist it. He could not do it. Flip side is we are filled with the Spirit of God who gives us the strength to do what? Be disciplined. To choose what you want most over what you want now. How do you do that? Paul wrote this in Galatians. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. So that's how you do it. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. They won't, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So that's the flip side. The Amplified Version explains it a little bit better. I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit. What's well, habitually? It's by habit, right? It's continual. <clears throat> Seek Him and be responsive to His guidance. And then you will certainly not carry out the desires of sinful flesh. See, if I'm busy doing the right thing, I don't have time, energy, or thought to be doing the wrong thing. Then you'll certainly not carry out the desires of sinful nature. 
which is impulsive, right? Which responds impulsively without regarding for God and his precepts. But put on your outline, continual rel, re, regular excuse me, action. All right? Moment. Spirit, what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do now? A little while later, what do you want me to do now? Continual, regular action. Habitual way of life. Then he follows up with this. So the sinful nature wants to do evil. That part of us. Just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. So they're not close. they're, They're diametrically opposed. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So the Spirit's telling me one thing, my sinful nature, the opposite thing. These forces are constantly fighting each other. So you don't get the place where, I don't have to deal with this anymore. (laughs) This is part of life. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Right? The willpower won't work because of this sinful, evil nature. But, at least we have a struggle now because we have spirit power as opposed to the sinful nature's power, right? So here's the, op- uh, the opposite or alternative <clears throat> cycle that you and I can live on. I belong to Jesus. Alright? So, can't quite read that. Respond to the spirit, okay? I'm walking in the spirit. I'm responding to the spirit. And it builds my faith. It increases my faith muscle, if you will. Right? I'm stronger. Then it empowers me to do the right things, right actions. And then, thank you, God. We did it. Right? I'm closer. And now I depend on the Spirit again. Because, hey, it worked once. It'll work the next time. One way to describe this Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians. For we walk by faith, not by sight. So I see donuts, but I'm walking in the Spirit. And the Spirit says, you don't want a donut. Walk by faith, not by sight. Now I like the term walking, because walking is not running. (laughs) Running, uh, so it's not walking. Walking is not running, so it takes time to get there. This is a process, right? So once I decide I'm not going to eat donuts, that's going to work for the rest of my life? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> See, here's the issue. Rewards of the sinful nature are immediate, right? Man, that donut tasted good. Right? It's immediate. That's why we had to do sexual sin and, and other sins, because there's immediate payoff. Feels good. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a temptation, Right? But the greater rewards always take more time. We started budgeting, I don't know, 40 years ago. <laughs> we weren't out of debt immediately. We were living paycheck to paycheck for a while. Now we don't. It always takes time. Years. So here's the question we started off with. Discipline. What do you want most? What do you want most in your, in your marriage if you're married? 
I want my relationship with my wife to be stronger. Most of you know, Deb and I struggled for quite a few years. Now we have a great marriage. Not perfect. I guess we can still work on a little bit more, dear. Right? I don't think we ever argue anymore. We used to do it a lot. I finally, I straightened up. That's what she says. I finally straightened up. But we still date. We do work on our relationship, right? What do you want most? What do you want most financially? If you're not, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, which is probably half of us, statistically, then you need to take financial peace. You do. Make that decision. Make that investment. I can't think of anything that affects your life more positively, because finances affect all our lives, right? Every aspect. Than the time that you will put into learning these principles and then, of course, doing them. What about your health? Now, when I do my exercises, they're hard, and I don't feel like doing them sometimes. What do you want most? I don't want to go to the doctor. I don't want to be in a hospital. I don't want to take pills. So I have a diet and exercise program that helps me keep from doing that. That's what I want most. Spiritually, what do you want? Reading your Bible every day? Or almost every day? We're a month in now. Some of you have quit already, statistically. Hopefully none of you have. But if you start it up again, that's that. Have a plan. Put on your outline. We're not living for these results in the future. That, ultimately, that's not what we're living for. That's what we, what we get. But we are living from our identity today. I'm a Jesus follower, and I'm walking in the Spirit today. All these things are byproducts. That's simple, simple to say, harder to do. Process. Put it this way on your outline. Identity drives action. I'm a Jesus follower. I'm going to act like a Jesus follower. If I'm a donut-colic, I'm going to act like a donut-colic. Right? Actions create results. Not good intentions. Not wishful thinking. Actions create results. And you, if you're a Jesus follower, belong to Jesus. Changes your want to. And here's an interesting thing. We become like people we hang out with, right? And for some of you, if you're at work, there's no other Jesus followers, that's tough. You spend 40 hours a week with no Jesus followers. And Pastor Andy said last week how important fellowship is. If you want to become like Jesus, you need to spend with people who are like Jesus. That's one reason coming here is so important, or from other church. Confession. We often think of confession as I'm admitting the bad stuff I've done. But there's positive confession. It's just as important, if not more important, than confessing our faults and our shortcomings, and our sins. So, confession. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I can confess that all day long. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I am disciplined. I want something more than I want for just now. 
willpower again. None of us have the willpower to become what we should. Well, we can make some progress here and there. But I can't be the spouse I want to be with just willpower. I can't be the disciplined person with my body with just willpower uh, or my finances. We finish with this. Do you want self-control? That's the, the difference of help. I'm out of control. Do you want self-control? Interesting about self-control. It's not try harder. It isn't. Paul says this in Galatians. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're a Jesus follower, these are, these are identifying factors of us. We have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And what's the last one? Self-control. It's a product or byproduct of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, changing our want to. There's no law against such things. You don't have to, oh, we want to pass a law that make you stop loving or stop being happy or stop being peaceful. Byproducts of Christ's control. Let me finish. Uh, I came across a statement by um, John Piper, retired pastor. And he said this. When you wake up, before you take, get, your, take, um, get your head off the pillow, you and I, Jesus followers, should cry out to God. I need you again today. Walk in the Spirit. Well, that's what I want you to think about. What do you really want most? Got to figure that out. Not which, and then not just what you want most, but also who do you want to become? Let me pray with you. Uh, Father God, thank you that you provided for us to be reconciled to you. So we can confess, I belong to you, Jesus. I'm empowered by your Holy Spirit. I do not have to give in to the sinful nature, even though it's still a struggle. Can't thank you enough for that. For anyone who's not a Jesus follower, whether you're watching or here, what do you want most? What is your identity? Is it what you want it to be? It could be so much more. You could be a child of God. You could be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You could have an eternal relationship with the almighty creator of the universe. And it's a gift. Thank you, Jesus. You, did, you died and conquered death and through res resurrection from the grave. We thank you for that. And we know it's big enough, your love, your sacrifice, to bring everybody into your family. We pray today that you would bring more into your family by faith. Receive the gift. We pray that prayer for you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.